So let's go ahead and bring in uh, Brian Taylor. He is the founder and CEO of Halfback, also located here in in beautiful North Florida. So happy to have you, Brian, um, and and welcome into the show. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, luckily, we made it through the storm pretty well up here. Yeah, absolutely. We, we definitely got lucky with, with that regard. Um, South Florida, not so much. We're going to talk about that, you know, a little bit later, especially with some of the disaster relief logistics that are going on. But I wanted to talk to you about the return logistics aspect because your your LinkedIn bio says you're mission driven on bringing a sustainable return solution to the market to help eliminate the six billion pounds of return goods that end up in landfills annually. Now, it sounds really like an incredible program that you've built. It, how and why did you get this started up? Yeah, well, yeah, so thank you for that. Um, so I was working previously for a, a home decor brand. And as the VP of operations, kind of boots on the ground day one, returns hit me, you know, smack in the face that, you know, we're, we're getting six to eight pallets of returns back every day. You know, we're, we're paying to ship oh, wow. these things back. There's a huge carbon impact. And a lot of times it was all for naught, right? So, I mean, these items would come back and oftentimes the Product was in okay condition, but we didn't have a, really a way to sell that again as tier one goods. So um, that's why you see a lot of, uh, you, know, you referenced the stat on my LinkedIn, 6 billion pounds of returns get thrown away annually every year just in the U.S. because, you know, the channels for these products just aren't that robust. You know, merchants don't have the bandwidth to kind of manage an additional, you know, re-commerce channel. So, you know, that was really kind of what you know, brought about the idea for halfbacks. So, hey, you know, let's let's create a marketplace where we instantly list returns the moment somebody says, you know what, this product's not right for me. It wasn't the right size. I changed my mind, which is really about 85 plus percent of returns are just, you know, mm-hmm. the, the buyer, it falls under a bracket called buyer's remorse. So nothing wrong with the product per se. They just, they, they no longer need it. So let's take this perfectly good product you know, find another buyer for it, offer them a great discount. The merchant saves a ton of money by not shipping the items back. And then, of course, the environment wins. You know, we're not, you know, emitting uh, an additional leg of carbon emission shipping these things back to the warehouses. You know, we're keeping product in consumers' hands and out of landfills. And it's really a win-win-win for the new buyer, uh, for the environment, for the merchants as well. And so with a lot of the different, I guess, phrasing that I hear around returns, this might sound like a dumb question, but is return logistics the same as reverse logistics? Yes, it is. Yeah, they're, they're interchangeable. Okay. Basically, what, what either of those means when you hear the term you know, reverse logistics or return logistics, that's just every step that goes into getting that product out of the original consumer's hands and then back to you as a merchant. So our goal, our, our mission with our platform is we basically eliminate that entire extra leg of returns logistics, reverse mm-hmm. logistics, and turn it into forward logistics, right? So we're keeping this product moving forward and keeping it in consumers' hands rather than sending it back to where it's got to go through this whole value add cycle again. That's super cool because I, there's another phrase that you use. It's called returns re-commerce. Can you break down what all this process entails? Yeah, so returns re-commerce is a it's a term that we've we've kind of coined for this new style. We're, we're kind of first to market with this solution. So, you know, really what the idea there is is you know, re-commerce by itself exists, and that's secondhand sales of goods of you've got you know a shirt in your closet, you, you've worn it out, you, you're ready to, to to move on, and you might sell that on a, a traditional secondhand market. But we've kind of paired that into this new idea of returns re-commerce where. You know, we take that return, that return the moment a consumer uh, initiates the return. So they go in through our portal, uh, enter their order and say, hey, I want to return this for this reason. 
uh, qualified returns instantly show up for sale on our marketplace for somebody else to come along. Uh, they buy it at a discount, kind of an open box, but it's new in box. So, um, you know, all the product has to meet uh, the merchant's return policy. So tags and tags, um, unworn in the original packaging. So we find a new buyer and then we facilitate that peer-to-peer shipping. So we kind of power that um, that logistics leg of, of getting the product from the returning customer into the hands of the marketplace buyer. Oh, wow. That's so cool. I, I was thinking that you guys were, you know, they, that a merchant, if they got something that needed to be returned, they would just ship it all in bulk to you and then you would relist it on your site. But you actually alleviate that extra transportation cost through this method. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So we have, you know, in our, our debt kind of a old style versus new style. And yeah, so basically whether you're shipping all your goods back to, there are dedicated returns warehouses and then they serve a good purpose, but um, you still have all of that cost, all of those carbon emissions, all of the, the negative things that happen truly just because you are having to send item all the way back to a kind of a holding point. Uh, so yeah, we're, mm. we're eliminating all that and just trying to get it to go straight from peer to peer. Uh, and kind of eliminate that additional leg of logistics. What happens if the returned item needs to be returned again? Who handles that? Does it go back to your company or does it go back to the original merchant? Or is it just final sale? Yeah, so like like most e-commerce marketplaces, it's final sale right now. You know, and our roadmap is maybe um, some capabilities to kind of continue to keep relisting things within the marketplace so that we do keep stuff in buyers' hands. But, you know, kind of uh, the initial play right now is, you know, buyers are getting a great deal and kind of in exchange for that it's it's an all sales final deal um, but we ourselves will never never take the product if the um you know if there, there's some, is some kind of issue the customer reaches out you know we help with dispute resolution and you know we're, we'll, we will work with the merchant if they say that you know what um you know, go ahead and send us the product back and we'll, we'll take care of it from there but for anything purchased on the marketplace yeah it's kind of an all sales final um kind of a process now, now you also sent us an image of what I, I assume is it is your store on on halfback, and that where folks can go and they can just the general public able to go to this store and be able to purchase items from there. You're just managing the back end process of it. Is that how I'm understanding it? Correct. So we're kind of both. We're kind of back back of the house in front of the house. Um, so we've got the software that powers everything. Uh, kind of behind the scenes from the uh, return initiation, the, the logistics piece with shipping labels. Um, but we're also the marketplace. So we are halfback.com. That is the marketplace where buyers will go and shop these kind of return commerce goods. That's awesome. I, I, it's a holy, it's a really like a holy new concept to me, which I think is is super yeah. rad. So it, this also kind of might sound like a dumb question, but are returns only or return logistics, is it, or reverse logistics, whichever the phrase that you kind of want to use, but is it only a, a truck thing? Is it only handling, you know, are these shipments only uh, affecting the truckload market or are we seeing returns for rail and maritime, um, you know, cargo ships? Are we seeing returns? return logistics and those modes of transportation or is it only in trucking uh for who we're working with kind of the d2c merchants it's mainly trucking Mm -hmm. there's really no intermodal play there Uh, for some of the larger retail brands i mean they may do a return they may get the return back from their customer and then they may push those returns all the way back to the original manufacturer and those may Mm -hmm. go uh, you know via different you know a rail segment or, or potentially even um, over water or air, but you know everything we're doing it's all D to C. So this is stuff that's you know kind of a uh, U.S. based, whether it's a 3PL or their own warehouse. They've shipped it out. Now they're kind of trucking it back to their warehouse. 
makes sense. Now, uh, Q4 started this week, and you had said in a Twitter post that while most of the focus is on sales, that more effort needs to be put on returns. Can you break down that concept for us? Yes, yeah, so, I mean Q4. Obviously, the, uh, the the shining stars there, your sales and your marketing team, marketing team. Everyone's getting ready for kind of that Black Friday, Cyber Monday, big retail push. Um, but you know, the traditional e-commerce return rate is it averages twenty percent, and depending on your product vertical, I mean, it can reach 50 percent. So, and that increases in the holidays, right? We kind of overconsume a little bit, whether we're you know kind of buying things as we see them, they're on sale. We don't know who we're going to gift them to. Maybe we bought them for ourselves because they're on sale, and then. You know, the holiday period kind of closes out and that introduces this giant wave. You know, some publications, re, you know, call it returns Armageddon or returns Mageddon. So, um, you know, that, you know, if you're talking about anywhere from one in five to, you know, every other package you ship out coming back, I mean, that's that's a massive impact to, to your business. So if, if your focus is only on sales, which is great, we, we all want to grow that top line revenue. But when you've got those contra sales coming back in, all those you know, credits for returns, you know, product you're getting back now, it's, it's out of season, um, you, you're kind of overstocked, you, you stocked up um, for this, the demand, and then you know, a good portion of that comes back. So if you're not putting together a solution for what you're going to do with all the product that comes back, and now you start to see an inventory glut come January, um, and a lot of it's kind of dead stock by the time it gets back to you. So it's, it's great to focus on top line. Obviously, Q4 is, is a big sales period for, for most brands. But you know, if you don't have the back of your house in order, uh, what you're going to do with these, what the, what's the impact not only to your bottom line, but your warehouse, um, you know, it's, it's, it makes for a difficult uh, beginning of the year for most retailers. 100%. And, and, and one thing that I think you would probably help alleviate a lot of those issues is another stat that I pulled from your, your LinkedIn, where it says over 67% of consumers will read your return policy before purchasing and 80% of them are expecting free returns. Is, is offering free returns a concept that is going to fade out because of the cost associated with it? Or is it just simply the, the cost of doing business? I think, I mean, you've seen some big retailers like Zara's, you know, trying to kind of claw back at that. You know, it's free returns if you drop it off in store, but not if you want to, you know, send it back through the mail. I think it's become table stakes. Uh, I've got another stat in there. Um, you know, 60 to 70% of, of kind of shoppers originate on Amazon. So they've already been kind of conditioned, you know, free. Uh, I'm going to get free shipping. I'm going to get free returns. So, you know, when they discover your product or they, they drill out and they end up on your site, they've already come to your site kind of conditioned for this experience. So, you know, I think it's it's a um, it's a reality now that consumers online are going to expect free, uh, you know, free shipping and free return shipping. It's like I said, I think it's become table stakes at this point. And, and then, so that's another area we help out, you know, by not having to pay for return shipping, pay for all that burden labor at your warehouse, keeping that product moving forward. You know, we're helping some of these SMB size D2C customers offer free return shipping because you're not having to pay for all these costs. So uh, I don't foresee, I'd be shocked if we ever saw kind of free returns shipping go away. I think it's only going to increase. I think we just, you know, some of the recent stats are over 50% of uh, retailers now offer it. And I think that's only going to continue to climb. Oh wow! So I mean that that's an incredible stat with over fifty percent of retailers. Now, for for your solution in particular, is it more aimed at the you know the small to medium businesses of the world, or is this you know uh, programs that larger retailers are implementing, or is this really a, a concept that both SMBs and the enterprise companies should should really take advantage of? 
Yeah, it's across the board. I mean, everybody, obviously enterprise, you know, there's a huge volume play there. So, I mean, the the savings is exponential, both, again, on an economic and an environmental scale. Um, but the SMBs, you know, we talked to a couple that say, hey, yeah, we love the solution, but we're only getting a couple of returns back a month. You know, does it make sense for us? And, you know, when you run through that math of the cost of shipping that product back, and again, you know, you're kind of your overhead you're talking thousands of dollars uh, in savings annually, even if you're only getting a couple of returns back. And for you know brands that are trying to get um, kind of um, up and running, kind of get that initial flywheel going, I mean, that's your marketing budget. That's Maybe that's your small owner's distribution for your store for the year. So, I mean, the, the savings is there for everybody and kind of the impact to your business. I think it scales with your return. So, obviously, you know, kind of your return rate you know, if, if we go back to that average of 20%, so 20% to a small company is huge. 20% to a big company is also huge. I, I, I'm just thinking out loud here, but I wonder how much of that number is related to clothing. I, I would imagine that the overwhelming majority of returns is clothing related because it doesn't fit right. It doesn't look right. Is that a safe assumption or are there other, other you know, commodity categories that are higher in returns than you would expect? Yeah, so clothing actually skews higher. And so that 20% is kind of balanced out between, you know, apparel, footwear, which could be seen return rates up to, you know, 40 plus percent. And then you got hard lines, um, you know, that, you know, maybe they're, um, you know, not as, you know, fluid in terms of, of size and shit, shape and fit and all that. So those kind of come in more of the, that 10 to low teens and they help bring that average down. And of course, your, your apparel type items that and people bracket buy. So, you know, they don't know what size. So they'll buy two different sizes, keep the one they want and send the other one back. So that, of course, drives up uh, the, the return rate and, and that kind of apparel space as well. So whether you're, uh, you know, a large or a smaller company as, you know, sort of we're already in Q4. So you probably should already have a lot of these, I guess, plans in place. But for maybe businesses that don't have a return logistics plan in place, what should they be setting up for this year and in the foreseeable future so they can better manage this process? Yeah. So if you don't have something, I mean, obviously, you know, I would, I would recommend us, but at, at a bare minimum, I mean, you want some type of returns portal that customer can go on and initiate the return because, you know, so like some of the stats you referenced earlier, the easier it is to return something, the more likely they are to buy. So anything you can do to make that return process as easy for your customer, go ahead and start getting that set up now, um, you know, before you get an influx. And it's going to take a lot of stress off your team, right? Your, your customer service team, whether that's you or you have people, you know, a team handling that um, or, you know, your, your warehouse, again, to take the strain off of that and kind of, um, you know, shrink some of the burden you have on there. And then go ahead and start thinking about, you know, what what is your plan for the product that comes back? Again, you know, we would love to go ahead and, and, and sell that for you so you never get it back. But, um, you know, we also kind of realize that, you know, we won't sell everything that goes through the marketplace as much as we would like to. So items are going to come back. So, are you, you know, set up and able to handle when they come back? What are you going to do with them? Are you paired up with a, another e-commerce platform or returns warehouse that's going to be dedicated to handling that for you? So kind of think about, um, you know, the, that customer interaction. How's the customer going to initiate the return? How's that mm-hmm. product going to get back to me? And what am I going to do what, once we get it? Um, and even it starts before there, you know, I back up when I talk to, you know, kind of, Back in my operations life, um, you're kind of breaking it down into kind of, I call it like the three R's, right? So reduce. What are you doing on the marketing side to improve your copy and your content so you don't get as many returns um, that are just preventable because you didn't have good imaging or good size and call out? So, you know, reduce the number of returns, 
recover it? How are you going to get it back to you? And then re-commerce, what are you going to do with it once it comes back? That's all that that's super interesting because there's so many different options and you could do yourself such a an, an advantage if you have that plan in place as a retailer. Um, I, I've even experienced a couple companies recently where I ordered from them and instead of me if the items didn't work and instead of me sending the items back to them to return them, they just had me take a photo of them and then just keep them and they gave me the credit back to my yeah. account, which I thought was super interesting. I'm like, well, what's the stop? I feel like that that's definitely like a lost leader for them. What's to stop, you know, people from scamming that type of a system. But I imagine that there's things, you know, caveats, maybe account monitoring to to account for stuff like that. Um, but it just seemed weird to me that some retailers are just, you know, saying just keep the merchandise. Whereas if they had a solution like yours, then maybe they could get back a little bit of that money, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a good call out of kind of why and why we built this and why returns are such it's such a problem that retailers would rather you just keep it right than send it back because the margins are so thin that by the time they pay for return shipping and again their warehouse they don't have the space they don't have a channel to do it you've you've opened the package you've ripped through it um you know they just can't resell it so they say you know what you know it's a loss for us to take it back and you'll see some people reference that as a green return right you know just keep it and you know, the green band we don't have the carbon emissions of shipping it back but Really, I, you know, that's kind of, I call it the ostrich with its head in the sand. You know, that's the, the retailer kind of wiping their hands of it. Now you as the customer, you're stuck with it. And, you know, some people may take advantage and say, hey, great, you know, I got this free item. I didn't have to send it back. But if you truly didn't want it, now you're stuck with an item that now you have the burden of, of selling it on, you know, eBay or some other channel, or you have to throw it away because you have no way to get rid of it. So it's really not a, a real great solution, although some people may love it when they end up with some, you know, free stuff, I guess, if you want to call it that. But, you know, from a brand perspective and just kind of an industry perspective, it's really not a, it's not a solution. Yeah. It's, um, it's currently sitting in a donation pile, both from, from two different retailers yep. right now <laughs> that said, just keep the merch and it's sitting in a donation pile so that I, I was a little excited at first, like, oh, I get free stuff, but I didn't want it. So what is the use of it? I guess somebody else can, right. can take advantage of it. All right. Now, a uh, final couple questions. Now you've been in business for almost a year now. What lessons have you learned that you're going to take with you through this holiday season and then holiday seasons to come? Oh man, uh, so many. Um, like I said, a lot of the stuff we talked about earlier. You know, there's there's a lot of focus on, you know, everything we do forward facing, so customer facing, um, and everything kind of back of the house becomes an an afterthought. So, you know, whether that's you know getting set up for uh, distribution returns, um, you know, I've noticed f- for us, you know, my experience both with Halfback and then you know my own brand startups and. Your previous uh, in corporate life is um, you know don't don't take those things for granted don't neglect them to the last minute they're, they're certainly those things that we like to procrastinate on and you know they're really kind of what that backbone that helps hold the hold the house together awesome great advice great tips great insight loved having this conversation with you Brian where can folks follow more of your work check out halfback all that good stuff yeah, so halfback.com, so H-A-F-B-A-C-K. Um, that's both the marketplace, and if you're a retailer, um, we've got some links there to, to take you out and um, find where you can download our software. Um, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, um, anywhere, and yeah, you can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. Great conversation, and we look forward to, to watching more of this progress. So thank you so much. All righty, thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Take care. hope you enjoyed that episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast by Digital Dispatch, where we help your company build a better website. 
And speaking of my company, I founded it back in 2018, but we recently streamlined our website services plans. So if you want to check out how we can help you and your marketing team build a better website and connect those ROI goals, then go visit digitaldispatch.io. You can also check out past episodes of this show and every show by hitting up the resources page on digitaldispatch.io or on everythingislogistics.com. I do some freelance content projects for select clients. And if you liked this show, then you might like some of the other content projects that I've worked on, like Cyberly, Maritime Means, and more. But until next time, I'm Blythe Brumleave, and I will see you real soon. Go Jags!